Coming up on this week's show, we have a special extended interview with author T.J. Klune and voice artist Kurt Graves. They're here to celebrate the release of Raven Song. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode 147 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willknauss.com. As I mentioned in the intro to this episode, uh, we got a special interview uh, with everyone's favorite author, T.J. Klune. Uh, He's got a really amazing book coming out. Uh, We also uh, got Kirk Graves. Um, Now, most of you are fans of T.J.'s, and by extension, uh, fans of Kurt's. He narrates uh, most of T.J.'s books. I'm certainly a fan of Kurt because I've uh, been listening to him recently. He does all the Rosalind Abel books. Uh, So I'm really excited. I think this is going to be an amazing episode. Yeah, it very much is. Um, They're going to talk about Ravensong, of course. They're going to talk about the Green Creek series overall. We get a little little snippets of what's to come uh, out there in the next few books. Uh, Kurt also talks about the experience of Wolfsong being his very first book. And as folks know, that's 18 hours with spanning a decade that he undertook as his very first book. And he's got some good stories from that. Plus, we find out from TJ about The Extraordinaires, which is the series that he signed the big contract for earlier this year, and even more of what's coming out in the future for both of them. It was it was really exciting to talk to them, and because uh, Wolf Song is one of my favorite books, and I'm really eager uh, to get that Raven Song audiobook when it does come out. I'm thrilled to welcome back to the show best-selling author TJ Klune, along with first-time guest audiobook narrator Kurt Graves. They first worked together on the audiobooks for Wolf Song and Murmuration. TJ's new book, Raven Song, arrives July 31st at ebook and paperback, and Kurt will once again give voice to the characters of Green Creek. Thank you both for being here. My Thank pleasure. So, of course, what we're all gathered here to talk about is Raven Song. <laughs> TJ, it, it, you don't like to give up spoilers, which is great, but what can you tell us about Raven Song and what readers can expect on this trip to Green Creek? I want to be like when people talk about sequels in their movies, it's all it's bigger and it's better and it's darker and shit blows up. But that's kind of (laughs) true. (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to be a a cliche is that it it is bigger and more hardcore and darker and shit blows up this time around too, (laughs) which is fun. But, um, It is a book that I wanted to write more than Wolf Song, I think. Like when I was writing Wolf Song and I got this idea of continuing it, I really wanted to get to Raven Song for Mark and Gordo. And um, what what made that suck, though, is by the time I did get to it and started writing it, this book kicked my ass to write. It was one of the... One of, if not the hardest books I've ever had to write, only because I kept screwing up. Every time I got further and further into story, I was trying to make it something that it wasn't, i.e. it was trying to be too much like Wolf Song, which is can never work given how there's two different narrators and they're so completely different. And it pained me to get like 60, 70,000 words in realizing that this thing was so then I had to go back and basically cut everything. I kept a basic 
structure of of the story, but I, I cut probably 50, 60,000 words and basically had to start over from the beginning. So this book is... <laughs> This book is a labor of love, and it was a hard delivery. <laughs> so it it it's I, I gave it my all for this one, and I, I I can't wait for people to read it. It's just gonna I think it's uh, takes all the themes of Wolf Song and just amplifies them just to the loudest that they can possibly be. It's I'm excited about it. Now, for those who are unfamiliar. And we don't know who you are, but I'm sure there are some. <laughs> kind of lay out what Wolf Song and the starting of the whole Green Creek series was. Wolf Song was a coming of age for the narrator Ox Matheson, and he grew up in a tiny little town in Oregon called Green Creek, and he was not understood even beginning as a child. He um, thought different way. He saw things differently. And uh, unfortunately, people around him took him to be one way when he was completely something completely different. Um, I, I don't like to use the term or the word slow. I don't like how that's coded. And, um, but he just had a different way of thinking. And I, I loved being able to write and see the world through his eyes going from thinking that the world was one way and then having this family move next door that showed it to be something completely different. And people that read my books know that a big common thread through them is the idea of like found family and people that, that are your, your friends or your loved ones that aren't necessarily related by blood. And I do that, that, theme a lot in different ways in different books. But I think Wolf Song is um, one that, that probably exemplifies that the most just because of, of the idea of wolves in a pack and what that would mean to humans and wolves and witches and all these different characters coming together that aren't necessarily related but depend upon one another and need each other to survive. Mm-hmm. And then a whole bunch of other shit happens in the book. <laughs> a whole bunch. Whole bunch of shit. Because Wolf Song, I was trying to think about this today because it's been a while, but I mean, that book takes place over years, if not maybe a decades. Decade? A decade, I think. Because it starts when Ox is like, what, 11 or 12? I think 11, yeah. 11. And he it ends when he's in his early 20s, mid 20s, but... Um, it, I, I knew that when I was writing that book, it was going to be a, kind of like a generational type of story with, with, with characters from different generations. You have the kids and you have the, the older people in the, in the pack and whatnot. And um, I just like the, the, the interplay between them and the dynamic that they have with um, everything that they bring to the table, young versus old. And, and it was, this is why I'm enjoying moving on to Raven Song because I'm writing about characters once again that are my age and <laughs> I get them a little bit easier than I could say the characters in Wolf Song. How, how much, what's our timeline in Raven Song? Is it, is it after? Is it significantly after? It's before, during, and after. Oh, wow. Um, okay. It's, uh, I think I, I, yeah, I think I can talk about this. <laughs> the, <laughs> first six chapters first six or so chapters alternate between 
Gordo and Mark as kids and the missing three years, one month and 26 days where uh, Gordo and Carter and Kelly and Joe were going after the big bad Richard Collins. I've always, I was so curious when I was writing Wolf Song, I was so curious about what happened to them while they were gone because we don't really know. We don't know really anything aside from the one little part where you have the hunter, David King, coming back to Green Creek and telling Ox those two words, not yet, that Joe sent to him. And I always wondered, how did it get to that point? How did it get that far? What were they doing the entire time that they were gone? And how would that play upon, because what once they returned, everything happened so quickly towards the, the end of the book. It basically, they came back and then wham, bam, 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 everything blew up and all that kind of crap. But I was so curious about how Gordo would relate to these kids, essentially, that he has to watch over, and especially a 17-year-old kid that just turned into an alpha. So I was really curious about what it would be like for him as an asshole adult to turn around, <laughs> to turn around and um, have to be in charge of three teenagers and um, – what they did and how their trip was like. And it was, so the first six chapters, I think, jump between the 80s and 2013 when that all happened. And then the rest of the book take, covers only a period of two weeks and it's set a year after Wolfsong. So it, it, the, the opening chapters were meant to give you a sense of who Gordon, Gordo was, but also to make you feel like you have whiplash because you're jumping from the the past to a closer past. It's, you know, in my head, it's this neat literary little trick to do to show you that the kid that he was and the man he's become and this weird, the, the, the um, dissonance between both of them, because the kid, you'll see, he starts out being almost like Ox, bright-eyed, and and all this shit is really super cool, but as you know, he's an adult, he hates everybody, hates everything, especially the Bennetts, and I wanted to figure out why he did, and the answer sucks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an asshole (laughs) when I wrote this book, man, and I don't regret it, obviously, I don't regret it at all. I'm a dick when it comes to what happened to him, and that's all I'll say. (laughs) I think the depth of that history, though, is so important. Uh, Like, as somebody who just enjoyed reading Wolf Song and then getting to read Raven Song, um, it was just really enjoyable to understand Gordo more. Um, And it is a really neat literary trick to have the whiplash of jumping back and forth. But as a narrator, I was also reading that and thinking, God damn you, TJ Klune. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be hard, right? All these people also have to be kids. God damn you, TJ. (laughs) (laughs) But you kind of faced that in Wolf Song, too, because when we first meet, I mean, Joe grows so much in Wolf Song that you had that same, he's a kid, he's an adult, and now he's an alpha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was uh, a fun challenge. That was actually one of the few things that going into the audiobook I knew to even be worried about. Um, there was so much I had no idea I should have been worried about, but wasn't. And that was one of the things that I thought, how do I progress this voice from child to, to adult? Uh, so I did think about that. 
everything else basically I got lucky on, but that <laughs> I thought about. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like to revisit these characters? I mean, some time has passed since both the book and the audio book of Wolf Song. Uh, so what's that like for, for both of you? It's, um, it was, it was good because I, I knew I've, I've essentially plotted out the remaining three books in this series. So I know that, um, what is, what's going to happen in the future, what's going to happen in the next two books, but being able to come back to this, even though it, it like I said earlier, it kicked my ass to write it, it, I, I love these characters a lot. I mean, they're they're really different than what I what I'm usually known for is in terms of. I mean, I can write angst like a motherfucker, but I'm you know usually see it me more in the comedic realm, and um, I I liked being able to come back to this and just fucking wreck people <laughs> because it's uh, it uh, gives me a chance to to be able to get out my own anger i get out my anger through writing and and all my feelings and stuff like that and i'd be able to take it out on the characters even though they sometimes don't deserve it so and for me it was a pure joy i just really loved coming back to this place and these people um you know i've done about 10 other books in between wolf song and this and it's not always the case that you you just fall for the people that are there. But in, in Wolf Song, I did. And I thought maybe that was just because it was like first love, like the first thing I ever did. And, and I just had such a great experience with it. Um, but as soon as I picked up Raven Song, those people were there and, and their voices were back in my head and it was so effortless and beautiful. Um, so I think anybody who loved Wolf Song is going is gonna to love Raven Song as much, if not more. Is it is it okay to say that I yeah, I, I, I liked Raven Song even more? I even liked more. Raven Song more too. Just not I mean no, this is gonna be sacrilegious to some people. I, you should have heard you should hear I don't talk crap about my own books, obviously, because that's you know counterproductive. Yeah. But when people tend to get upset when you say you like something better or or less or something. Like when I talk about Bear Otter and the Kid, my very first book. I, that book to me is a very obvious first novel. It has, you know, it has, it had, I think it has its flaws and I cringe when I go back and it, especially when I had to write the, the last book, I went back and looked through the first three. I cringed with some of the stuff that I was writing and I'm like, it's not my favorite. You know, I would have done things differently now. And people are like, that's, you can't say that. You have to leave it exactly how it is. And it makes me feel like like when George Lucas and Steven Spielberg went back in and took out like an E.T., they took out the guns from the kids or from the adults or whatever. And then they they I, I just I love my readers and I'm glad they love my books. But I like Raven Song better than I like Wolf Song just because a big part of it has to do with the fact that I'm 36 years old now and writing about characters in their 40s, like Gordo's 40, Mark is 43. That just feels so easy to me because I can relate being closer to age to them than I am to, you know, 20-somethings these days. My God, I'm so old. <laughs> oh, gosh. Stop. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty um, still, so thank you. Yeah. I mean, I still love both, but I mean, uh, relating <laughs> to that, I will, I am sure I will like the audiobook of Raven Song more than I like the audiobook of Wolf Song because this time I 
have no, an dude. idea of what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not to take anything it, it, away from the first it was thing. Between, but... It was between it was between Kurt and one other person, and I spent hours flipping between their auditions. And the thing that clinched it, and I've told Kurt this before, the thing that clinched it was his Gordo voice because the other guy, he was good. He was really good. But his Gordo voice wasn't, I mean, obviously you can give notes to say, hey, I want this to change. But Kurt had exactly what I was looking for. And I was already starting to think ahead to, you know, he's going to have to do that voice for an entire 16-hour, 17-hour sequel that I'm going to write that's going to be like 8 million words long. <laughs> so it's it's... You know, he, that's the reason he got it was because of his Gordo voice. And um, it was that close, but I liked his Gordo voice better. And now I like him. Thank you. So kind of a win-win there. It is. It is. I like Mostly it Mostly for me. I like it when people <laughs> I work with aren't assholes. And he's a good, good guy. And obviously, I have a very small stable of narrators that I work with. And... Um, you know, I, I want to use them on different books. I, I don't know how that's going to work now in the future, but um, for right now, with with what I have, I like to be able to have the people that I know and trust working on my books, and their talent is obscene. And so I'm I'm very lucky to be able to have found like Michael Leslie. That was his first book too when he started doing Tell Me It's Real, wow. and Derek McLean. He's just amazing and now i'm bringing now i have uh greg trembley doing my self-pub later this year oh very cool that's very cool do you hear kurt's characterizations now as you when you were writing raven song no i don't because i don't i don't want to take away from his art and i don't you know it's I don't listen to my own audiobooks because it's really super weird for me. I'll listen to his voices and to see, you know, just to make sure that, you know, everything's on the up and up. Like certain sections, when he sends them in for review, there are certain sections I want to make sure got right and everything like that. So I'll listen to those. But I have never, and it's not him, I've never listened to any one of my audiobooks that I've done on any of my books all the way through because it's, weird it is super weird <laughs> to hear my own words read and I, I i i tend to get when i'm writing i tend to get blinders on and i don't focus on anything else but what i think that the character should sound like because i don't want to you know with michael obviously i mean his, the, his range is obscene with what he does for the lightning series but when i started writing the last three books of that i la 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 i didn't <laughs> think anything to do with him aside from the fact of of how hysterical it was writing certain scenes that I knew he was going to have to try to work his way around to figure out how to do. I wrote a song in the last book specifically so he would have to sing it again. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to think of something like that for Kurt, but I couldn't quite figure it out. So instead, the book opens with a quote from Kurt's favorite poem, The Raven, (laughs) by Edgar Allan Poe. And when I he, first sent him, when I first sent him the book, he emailed me back. He goes, "Do you know what you've done? Why don't you go ahead and fill people in?" Kurt? So I'm I'm a speech I'm a speech coach uh, or a forensics coach, depending on what part of the country you're in. And so for years, for years since I'm I am since I'm 14 years old, I have been listening to people perform The Raven, and for years I have been tearing them apart because. 
you so, so many people just do it poorly like it's not a bad poem but like it's been done badly in front of me so many times that all i hear are those terrible interpretations of this actually really great poem so i open up the first page of raven song and it's fucking the raven. <laughs> the raven. and i'm like damn it i'm sorry i'm swearing so much but this fucker is gonna make me put on record my interpretation of this poem that i have yelled at people for picking for 15 years and i'm going so, to but, insist that you perform it on your podcast your your speech podcast i'm going to insist yeah. that you read the entire poem on the podcast that sure. thing has the fucking stanzas on it. <laughs> yeah, it's long. Um, so yeah, so that'll be fun for me. I yeah. Did you did you know what you were doing, TJ, when you did that, or is it just a fluke? No, uh, it just happened. I didn't know that he was so bitchy about Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> naturally, <laughs> so, naturally that much of that. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm sure you know a normal person would have responded with empathy and been like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. I cackled. I laughed. Yeah. I said, ha, 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 well, you're going to do it anyway, motherfucker. <laughs> so. Good. And I will. And you know what? I'm going to kill it. Yeah, I bet you are. I bet you're going to do it so good. <laughs> you're going to trot this out to your future uh, students say, this is how you do this poem. <laughs> Listen to this book. <laughs> and I'm going to make them buy it, too, because yeah. I'm not giving it to them. Oh, no. I'm not giving it away for free. Go buy my audiobook. That's <laughs> some good threats. Yeah. That's awesome. Skip whatever chapter the gay sex happens in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you can learn stuff. I mean, come on. That's true. Maybe Half of like them are on their way to that anyway. I know how straight sex works. Kind of. So, <laughs> so I mean. Do you want to explain it to us? <laughs> no. No. Okay. This is not the podcast for that. <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody by having to like eat watermelon to show how I'm sure it works, but it's fine. <laughs> so we'll, we'll move on. So you kind of mentioned in an earlier question that that Wolf Song wasn't necessarily a series to begin with. When did you decide you needed to go further with that story? <sighs> Look, I I I I've been on a kick. Where maybe not going back to wool song days, but when I'm when I'm sitting down and starting work, I'm realizing that I'm working on you know oh look I'm writing a sequel to this book I'm writing a sequel to that book I wrote a sequel to How to Be a Normal Person and I swore up and down for years I was never going to do something like that and I like I like having one off books one off stories that you can just be one and done and you might think it's just because oh you know yeah you can have just a single story and it moves on but. No, the reason I like it is because I hate having to research continuity. I hate it so much. And my editors will tell you that they can tell I hate it so much because I suck at it. And anytime that I'm writing a sequel or a third or fourth book, they're like, oh, well, this is going to not make any sense at all. So my one of my editors, Erica, she actually constructs these huge spread pages, spreadsheets of, of timelines for every series that I've written. Like right now I have the one of Raven Song that I look at and it's just, it's combined with Wolf Song. And I mean, it has birthdays for every single character. It has events that are going on and it's, it's pages and pages and pages. And I, I knew going into, if I was going to continue with Wolf Song that I'd have to contend with that. And I mean, 
I like learning new stuff, but I'm lazy when it comes to rehashing, <laughs> having to relearn some old stuff that I wrote. So, um, but by the time I finished Wolf Song, I knew that there was a bigger story there, especially since I left so much unresolved. And um, when I sat down to start Raven Song, I actually did, like I said earlier, plot out the next, all the rest of the series, which is four books total, to make sure that um, what I was going to be building upon from Wolf Song and Raven Song could actually go even further with the next two books. I almost just said the titles of the next two books. I shouldn't have done Ooh. that. Uh, that could have been an exclusive we almost had. Well, everybody knows the third book is called Heart Song. I have already announced that, but I have not talked about the fourth and final book, but I totally know the title to that. You've mentioned on uh, social media, um, and we, we should tell people just for contextual purposes that we're actually recording this in early June. Mm-hmm. ahead of the airing in July uh, of a short story that's going to happen too called Love Song. Yes. I wrote uh, a 6,000 word short story um, to follow Raven Song. That'll come out September 1st. It's uh, Elizabeth Bennett's perspective. And because I wanted to, I don't want to say that she gets shortchanged in Raven Song, but I wanted to do more, but the, the, point of view wouldn't necessarily allow for it without getting kind of wonky so um not giving too much away in raven song but there's not as much healing for her that i wanted there to be so instead of trying to shoehorn in something that would have sounded disingenuous in like a conversation between her and and gordo who is the narrator i decided to write a story just for her and um that was hard that was hard to write not because of the writing it from elizabeth's perspective just because it's it's basically a, a six thousand words on dealing with grief and how to overcome that and i've, I've touched upon that before in, in another book i wrote into this river i drown which is just like a huge thing about grief and i wanted to kind of do it from a different perspective here and to show um, what she's doing on her own to to come to terms with all that's happened to her in Wolf Song and the events of Raven Song. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, six thousand words. I didn't know you could write that short, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you something. I said, TJ, it's going to be five thousand words. And I got to 5,000 words, and I was like, motherfucker. Because <laughs> I still had so much to say. So then I allowed myself to get to 5,500, and that wasn't going to do. So then I put 6,000 in the cap, and I could have kept on going, man. I could have. I like words. I love them a lot. I could have kept on going, but I curbed it and um, went back and deleted a bunch of extraneous crap and then moved sections around and i think it reads really pretty so cool. it's it's lyrical like ox's books was so oh okay and then <laughs> i think you said uh was it heart song is t- late 2019 yes i um i am thirty thousand words into that as of this week i plan on finishing it by the end of summer and it is from it's Robbie and Kelly, 
and you will know whose perspective it's going to be from, who's going to be telling the story, because that person's name is one of the very last names mentioned in Raven Song. It's actually the very last name on the very last page, one of the very last words. Kurt knows. Oh, that's exciting. I'm happy. And um, it's, I was hoping that would be him. Yeah, it, the, the person that narrates Heart Song, his name is the very last name mentioned on the very last page one of the very last sentences you'll know who it is when you see it but yeah he's he's gonna be the one narrating the book <laughs> and that's all i'm gonna say on it because no, that's... it's uh it's obviously still a work in progress but it's um wolf song and raven song they're two sides of the same coin and they they end a specific arc and heart song first and foremost it's the first time that that i'm telling a book from beginning to end from the point of view of an actual wolf because in wolf song ox spoilers if you haven't read it didn't get turned into a wolf at the very end gordo narrates raven song and he's a witch he's a human so heart song is the first time you're actually getting the point of view of a wolf for the entire book and it's um it's allowing me to play with language a lot and i'm having fun with it some of it's working some of it's not um, but I, I'm having a lot of fun with it. And it's going to be a completely different kind of a story than Wolf Song was and a completely different kind of story than Raven Song is. And the last book, Carter's book, is going to be a completely different story too. Different type of story. But Wolf Song, Raven Song, bookend each other. Heart Song is the start of something new but builds upon what came before. And, and the last book will be the bookend for uh, Heart Song. So two and two. Very good. Are you comfortable with the fact you just said that Carter's got the last book? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because uh, everybody talked about him doing that. Yeah. Totally. Just making sure. Yep. <laughs> I was hoping you might throw the cuddle out there, but that didn't happen. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be in the last book. Yes. The last book is going to be um, his book and... Never mind. I can't say anymore. <laughs> I won't say anymore. Kurt knows. <laughs> we'll just make it. Kurt talk now for a moment yeah. so that you don't <laughs> end up saying Do something. <laughs> so as we talked about, Kurt, uh, Wolf Song was your first audiobook. How did you end up with the gig and, and decide to start doing audiobooks? Um, well, I s decided to start doing audiobooks because a friend of mine had started. And like most people who get into this on the independent side, you hear about somebody who's done it and you think, I can do that. Um, having no concept of what that actually means or entails. Um, and then, you know, I threw, I don't know, I, I think I had maybe 20 auditions out there before I auditioned for, for Wolf Song. Didn't get any of them, um, which I think is probably a, a pretty normal track record for anybody who's in acting, you know, you audition for way more work than you actually get. You have to get comfortable with the no. And I had gotten very comfortable with the no. And then I got really lucky. I, uh, I had reached a point in my career at that point, I was working for a, a small business in an office and it's just, it wasn't utilizing my creativity or the parts of my self that I wanted to really put into the world. It was also just a really toxic environment. And I had decided I needed to quit that job. And I had no idea what that meant for my life moving forward. Um, but I went upstairs and I typed my letter of resignation and I closed that screen after printing the letter. And there was the email saying that I had been chosen to narrate Wolf Song. 
So, it, I mean, it, 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 I, I'm not exaggerating. Like, that would be such a great story to tell if it was, like, almost true. But that is literally what happened. I closed the screen and there was the email waiting for me. So, um, and as far as, like, how I got it, I auditioned for it. And, and I submitted what I look back on now as a really terrible quality audition because I learned most <laughs> I learned most of what I needed to about the sound quality portion of creating an audiobook while I was making Wolf Song, which I recorded, you know, in a closet surrounded by coats. Um, and I started over four times to get the sound quality that I wanted. But at the same uh, time, he, this this dude got that book turned around in what? What was it? Like what was it six five weeks? Six weeks? It was about forty days. Because yeah. uh, back got, like, in the around in like five six weeks, like one hundred sixty thousand words. That entire audiobook he did in five weeks. When I when I got the when I got the email back from from Dream Spinner that he had finished, honestly, my first reaction was, "Oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> what, what? How did he finish that so fast? What? <laughs> how much is it going to cost to buy this guy out?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Okay." <laughs> but obviously he's consummate professional wolf song yeah. if i remember right Thank is, you forensics. is what 16 hours 15 16 it's, hours it's just shy of 19 hours 19 it's 18 hours, hours and 40, 40 days that's amazing forensics man it teaches you how to it gives you good reading comprehension skills and good uh on the fly and terp skills so and plus it's just a good book like the, you know Credit where credit is due. It's written well, which always makes it easier. What have you, um, had, have you had to audition for books where it wasn't written well, and you're like, "Why am I doing this?" Well, probably. But that, would been, <laughs> that would have been before Raven Song. You know, it's so or before Wolf Song because it's the audition scripts are often so short that you don't really get a sense of whether it's going to be a good story. Some of them are just outright bad, so you do know to avoid those. And the problem I had with having TJ Klune and Wolfsong as my very first audiobook was, am I willing to work with something that isn't at the same level and quality? And, you know, because there were certainly lots of jobs I could have auditioned for and chose not to because I was like, nah. If I if I have this, you know, for the for the podcast audience, I'm holding my hand up high. Um, why would I try to do something that's listen, listen, uh, listen to this guy? He's like, I got one book. Oh, I'm better than every all of these now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it about Wolf Song that made you want to audition for it? Because I imagine you only saw like a small piece of the manuscript. I don't know that I was being that discerning back then. It was just available. <laughs> it was a oh. job. It's no, I, you know, what attracted me to Wolf Song was the fact that it was like a fantasy story. I, you know, that's the genre I enjoy reading sci-fi fantasy. Um, I loved growing up. I loved different mythologies. Um, and so any story that creates its own mythology, I'm attracted to. And so, you know, knowing that that shifters were a part of this world was something that I was like, okay, and it's gay. Great. <laughs> Which obviously then made murmuration kind of right down the same path as yes. well, because there are yeah, there are the the sci-fi elements to to murmuration too. 
So yeah, it wasn't at all the LGBTQIA angle that that drew me to Wolf Song. It was just that it was a a fantasy story, and I was like, that's that sounds fun. They and just, you know, they have all the gay. And happen to have all the gay, which you know I wasn't afraid of, so may as well. And you know, TJ's tone is always so clear in whatever book you're reading of his, and and I could tell that the tone was uh, a little more introspective. Uh, you know, he's used the word dark, um, and it, it was a little dark. So I was like, I can do that. I like that. <laughs> Was it at all daunting as you got into it to see this hu- relatively huge cast and such a, you know, the decade spanning time frame? We talked a little bit about that before, about having to, you know, get the the growth of the, the children to the to the teens to the young adult range. Was that was that more than you expected in your first book? I had no expectations. So I think that was the greatest gift going into it is I didn't know I couldn't do that. I didn't know it wasn't normal. <laughs> I didn't know that having your first audiobook be 19 hours long was kind of weird. <laughs> I was just like, I guess this is how long books are. All right. This is what it is. And I, I just, I just didn't know. If I were to try to do Wolf Song now, 10 books in, I would... I would be terrified. I would still try to do it, and I would still take on the challenge, but I would be a lot more scared. Having Wolf Song be my first book taught me what I could do so much more than than I probably would have learned if I had started somewhere else. So um, I think this happens all the time. I was I was too naive to know what I was getting myself into, and that ended up being the best, the best, thing. Yeah. best thing. How much collaboration do you two have in in, in these audio books? I imagine the first one possibly not too much, but now that you've kind of gotten to know yeah, each other, and... I, 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 aside from giving him some some information about certain characters, <laughs> I'm being such a vague asshole. I'm not sorry. <laughs> aside from giving him um, it information on certain characters and a couple of plot points, I let him run free and how he wants to do it. Because obviously with, with, with Wolf song, you know, there, I didn't know him. He didn't know me. He turned in this excellent, excellent work. So when I had to start, started to think about doing the audiobook for murmuration, I was like, Oh, I just want to give it to Kurt. And then with Raven Song, I aside like I said, aside from giving him a couple of notes on a few things, I fully trust him to be able to do his own interpretation of it. And um, that's how it kind of is with with the only the only time I've ever had to give notes to uh, an uh, or extensive notes to a narrator was not because of the narrator's quality it was Derek McLean and Olive Juice, just because Olive Juice is such a different type of story. It's, it's told differently. There's no pauses, no breaks. It's one story without any text or chapter breaks through the whole thing. So I did give him a lot of notes about what I thought he should do, blah, 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 here, here, and here. But otherwise I just let the narrators do what they want to do with it. You know, trusting them that they won't (laughs) destroy it somehow. Mm -hmm. What do you think it is about Ox and Joe that grabbed people so much and just sucked people right into this 
other place of this other world. I think that there's something um, every man about Ox, but at the same time, he has such a unique perspective on how he sees things. And, and I mean, obviously coming in from the romance angle, you, you know, there's always something, whether it's realistic or not, there's always something special about the first love that you have and, and growing up together and then they become these people and whatnot. And I, I think that Ox in particular though, <clears throat> he is different than any other character I've written. And I, I think that he, the way he speaks, the way he moves, the way he reacts, there's just something so unique about him as a character. And I think that a lot of people are drawn to that. Um, I have a plan for him, obviously, going forward. Um, he's, shit <laughs> you haven't read raven song so I, nobody has so I can't talk about that. only kurt knows the secret whatever whatever that was going to become only kurt knows but right now has, ox has a very messianic kind of a path that he's going on which is, is such an awesome juxtaposition with with how gordo is just as down in the dirt grimy you know will do anything kill anybody all that kind of stuff but um I, I like the idea of Ox and, like I said before, Ox and, and Gordo, two sides of the same coin, because they are they were on the same path. They were on the exact same path until both of them took completely different routes. And it, it's really interesting for me to be able to, kind of like with the whole opening chapters and the whiplash that we talked about earlier, there is a very definitive moment when you realize that Ox and Joe, or Ox and Gordo are no longer going to be the same people. There's just this hard right turn that it takes. And I just, I can't wait for people to get to there. <laughs> Kurt gives the knowing laugh. Um. I do. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, for me, Ox and Joe, what attracted me to them was their, their innocence and their goodness. You know, we, we live in a time of anti-hero stories being so much more prevalent that there was, the fact that they both the story starts with them both so young before they have to start making difficult decisions and making the mistakes that we understand as adults are a part of growing up and learning and living they had they had this goodness and things were happening to them but they still held on to that that trait i felt and i that's what i loved about about those two and their relationship yeah I'll, I'll, from my reader perspective it was it was those early chapters in the book as they're meeting each other and and everything that was just like i have to go with their story now because you're just like boom well, see, when it's it, like when i first when i first started writing wolf song too i knew it was going to be a long long book and because you know i wanted to take my time to get to these because i think it's really important and it's the same with with raven song it's really important for me to be able to give the reader a sense of who these people are and a sense of place. I mean, obviously not knocking any author whatsoever, who whatever length that they write, but to me there's just something about being able to get into a long book, being able to take my time with these characters to make them actually independent and and like they could almost be real. And and the fact that that you know each person because it is it's a large cast and each person has their own specific characterization. They are different. 
They all have their own specific voice. And I needed to take my time getting through all of them. And I mean, the book, I think that a book that this book, Wolf Song and Raven Song, if they had been half the length that they are, if they'd been the typical MM romance, 60, 70,000 words, they would have been crap. They would have been absolute mm. utter crap because it's not, you don't get enough time. And I think I, to get to know the characters, and I think that's a big issue in MM and romance as a genre today is that people are writing specifically getting to 60,000 words and saying, oh, that's the book. That's how much it takes to, that's how many words it takes for a publisher to publish the book at 200 pages. And that just blows my mind that you're limiting yourself. Give give your characters some room to breathe. Let them let them be and, and you know, of course, you'll have the, <laughs> the detractors say, oh, his books are too long, they're too, too long, blah, it's fine. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, it's cool, but I like reading long stories. I'm sure around hour 16, I'll be like, this book is too long. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll get I'll get to the end and then I'll be glad it was as long as it was. Yeah, I'm sure there will be a moment somewhere in there where I'm like, should be about the same length. Yeah, almost exactly like the same. I think almost like within a thousand words of each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I. Yeah, the the whole thing over length is 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 strange to me because I feel like the story needs to be however long the story needs to be. Yeah. Whether it's the length of Olive Juice, which is short. Yeah. Like um, 30, 30,000 words, like thirty-five. And you told that story, and it was what it needed to be, and that's the end of it. And <laughs> if Wolf Song and Raven Song need to be one hundred and sixty thousand words, then that's the story. But I. I know that there are publishers who won't. My editors don't think so. <laughs> you know, I know that there are, are publishers who don't want to publish either something too short or it, it needs to be 50 or 60. or And even readers who are like, well, I won't read anything that's over 60. It's like, why? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I long, long time ago, back when I was young and wide-eyed and first was published in 2011, I thought, you know what? I wonder what readers want. I wonder... I wonder what they 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 what they want to read and stuff like that and no 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 one reader wants the same thing you'll have you'll have readers that that they're like oh my god this book fo- this there's this awesome first book and I love it oh and there's three more books and it follows the same couple well I won't read those because I don't like it when when there's more when there's more than one book about the same couple and I'm just sitting there like why <laughs> you liked the first one. Here's further adventures of the same people. That's totally cool. They're growing. <laughs> no, no, thank you. Goodbye. And I, you know, I, I stopped very quickly after I was published worrying about that kind of thing. And because it's, there's no point. Readers want read what they want to read and there's no rhyme or reason. Yeah. You just have it. to hope that it continues to be what you're writing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You have, you have to hope. And I continue to do that. <laughs> Like, this, and you this, do it across so many genres. That's that's really always been one of the the things that I I like having watched your career is that you you pop around between the Wolf Song kind of book and the Olive Juice kind of book and the Tell Me It's Real kind of book and it's just yeah because I would get bored if I had to write. I mean, God love the authors that can write in the same genre and do well and do it over and over and over again, but that would just drive me up the wall trying to do something like that because. I can't, I can't, like when I write a funny book, cool. It's super cool and super funny. Now I want to write something where everybody dies and it's soul crushing. So let's talk about the future for a little bit. 
because both of you are, are very active in what you're doing. Kurt, obviously, Raven Song comes up sometime, hopefully by the end of the year, because as we record mm-hmm. this, we don't quite know when it's going to come out. What else is coming for you in the near term and in the future as you know it? Um, well, I just made the decision to pick up my whole life and move it about an hour away. Uh, my husband's job changed, so now we're in a new city. So I am giving it a go as an audiobook narrator full time. So I don't know what that means because I'm just cool. figuring it out. I mean, as I showed you at the beginning of the podcast, this is my new office. Behind me is the door to what will be my new sound booth. Um, so once that's done, I need work. So <laughs> <laughs> if anybody would like to hire me to narrate their audiobook, please He's contact so me. He's so good. Everybody should hire him to do all the books except yes, for this other book. Um, so, I mean, obviously one of the very first things I'll do in there will be, will be Ravensong. And then after that, it's... Is that going to be the first book you record in your new booth? Um, depending on when the contract comes in, I might sneak one other one in there. Just yeah, it'll be the first one. Thank you. It'll be the first one. Yeah. So it's, uh, the future for me is wide open and unknown. Um, but you know, I'm going to, I think at least give this a try for about a year and see if we can make it work. Um, so, like, I'm not joking, guys. If you have a book for me to do, please get in touch. <laughs> and you're coming Yo, to GRL this year, so that's going to be your first I time to do that, too. My very first GRL. And I don't know what to say about that other than I'll be there, because I literally don't know what's going to happen. Everything will happen there. Yeah, but... I hear it's a good time. It is, and you'll get lots of questions about wolves. <laughs> Just ask right. Michael Leslie how he feels about unicorn questions. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I will do that. Yeah. Uh, TJ, you've had tons of news coming out earlier this year. Uh, your your deal with Tor and the Extraordinaires is pretty epic. <clears throat> that is pretty epic. And I am super freaking proud of that, man. Let me tell you. Because Tor, I just need to give a shout out to Tor and to my agent and to Ali at Tor, who are just awesome people. Ali at Tor is just, she's wonderful. I love her and I barely even know her. <laughs> but she is the one that was like, everybody everybody at Tor needs to read The Extraordinaries. And she was the one telling everybody to read it. And, and for those not in the know, The Extraordinaries is my YA, MM, super queero romance comedy spectacular (laughs) it's it's um it's the first of a three book deal that i got with them the second two books are going to be the second and third oh more sequels of the extraordinary series but um that is the first few months of 2020 is when that book is going to come out the first book because tor has decided that they want to make it a priority and they're gonna they're gonna do everything in their damnedest to to build this book up and hype it up and um it's a whole different it's a whole different ball game than indie publishing let me tell you like my let's just for example my indie contracts when i signed a book you know they're that my <laughs> friggin <laughs> one boy is like that <laughs> like holy god so it's it's wonderful, exciting, and I can't wait for 
tour to publish this book. It's going to be wonderful. Where did this come from to have teen superheroes? Because that's, again, it's a different thing than you've done well, before. Well, it is, but it's, it's, <clears throat> okay, at first it started, it's, it came about because I was being a dick. And the reason being I was being a dick kind of goes back to Wolf Song when I told myself a long time ago that I was never ever going to write gay werewolves. It's stupid. I'm not going to write shifter books. It's stupid. Whatever. And then I started writing it and I was like, oh, well, I'm a liar and a fat mouth. So here we go. <laughs> writing those. And then the YA came about <laughs> because I was like, I'm never going to write YA romance. I mean, who the who the hell falls in love at 15 or 16 years old and has it be believable and has a long lasting relationship for the rest of their lives? That's stupid. Nobody does that. That's stupid. But what if I did do it? <laughs> so I had to get over my own stupid chip on my shoulder because I wanted to always write a story. Because, you know, in like superhero movies like Spider-Man and whatnot, you always have the bumbling sidekick that doesn't know their best friend is a superhero. And there's all these, these times when they walk in on something that they should be able to figure out, but they don't know. And it's that close to being able to figure out their best friend's super identity. I wanted to write a book from the best, the, from the point of view of the best bumbling friend, the one that always stumbles in on situations, not knowing that, that the people around him are these big, you know, famous superheroes and whatnot. And, um, he, he writes fan fiction about them, self-insert fan fiction about them. And there's scenes in the book that are, are me being able to write fan fiction about the book that I'm actually writing. And it's, I, I purpled all over that prose, man. I, cause I had to write like a 16 year old boy writing himself into a story about being in love with a superhero who also loves him back. So I, I, man, that stuff is is awesome. (laughs) It's, It's so ridiculous. But, um, yeah, I'm not. I don't want to say too much about it because there's this whole big world that I built, this whole plot and everything. But first and foremost, it's gay, queer. The the lead character, he's out. Everybody in this book is out. This is not a coming out story. I didn't want to do that because I wanted a world. Because in this day and age, 2018, kids come out and everybody's cool with it. Nobody gives a damn about their, you know, their sexuality. Their parents are fine. Their friends are fine. They have the gay straight alliance in their school. That's what I wanted. I didn't want this to be a coming out book. I wanted these kids to be here. They're queer and nobody gives a shit. There's no homophobia, no anything in these books. Everybody's on board. Everybody's on the same page. They don't give a damn gay, straight, whatever. And that was a big, big, big thing for me. It's the lead character is gay. His love interest is bisexual. There's two girls they're best friends that are also in a relationship with each other. And it's just, I've had fun with it. I'm having fun. That's fantastic. Obviously the, I think the first one's written and you're just, you're working on the, the other two are just off in your schedule or did you do all three? Yes. No, uh, uh, I have to write them, <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> I mean, you know, another thing I learned about traditional publishing is that there's deadlines and they're really sticklers about deadlines. So I will work on them when I can. So I'll get to it someday. And then beyond the extraordinaires, you've got another book that's happening with Tor also. Uh, Yeah. So out of the blue, I wrote a 
book about a man named Linus who is in his 40s. He's overweight and he's in a dead end job working for the department in charge of magical youth. And he is sent to an orphanage on an island to investigate children and their caretaker on this island. It is a queer romance and it's it's not YA. They're both both lead characters are in their 40s. And so I thought to myself, oh, okay, well, let's just see what happens with this book. I'll just give this to my agent. She's like, oh, I love it. Let's 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 give it to touring to give them an exclusive 10 days to be able to look at it and see if they like it and see if they want to publish it. And I said, sure, <laughs> why not? I already got a fucking big deal from them. Let's see if they like to do, maybe buy this one and whatnot. No, Tor was like, hey, let's give you the same three book contract. <laughs> so now oh, I have four, six books and I could not be happier about it. So I will be publishing with Tortine for YA and also for three books and also tour for three adult books. And all of them are gonna be queer. All of them are gonna be gay, romances. I'm gonna make tour so fucking gay and it's gonna be be amazing. But tour understands how important that queer characters are. And with what they offered me, they obviously want me to make a home with them. And I'm gonna fucking move right in. I'm totally fine with that. I'm gonna. That's totally cool. I already have an idea for what I'm going to do for the second book in my adult contract with them. I already know what I'm going to do with that one. I'm going to do something cool. <laughs> is that going to be a series from that first adult book no, or is that no, one just the first, the first adult book? That book was initially originally called Don't You Wish You Were Here. Um, Tor wanted the title to be more Tor ish because Tor is paranormal science fiction and they're, they're the arm of Macmillan that publishes like the science fiction and whatnot. So now the title is the house in the cerulean sea, cerulean, the color blue cerulean. So, um, that's the title and that is a standalone book. So my, and I'm what my plan to, with the adult contract is to do three standalone books. So I don't have to worry about sequels to anything. So, I mean, yeah. he says that now. Shut up! I was thinking the same thing, but thank you for saying it. No, no, no. Yeah, probably. I don't know. I don't know. That's so. That's. But I mean, that's. They have me. I mean, what the plan is now is, I have books set to come out with tour starting in 2020, and then going to 2021 and 2022 and 2023. I mean, I'm not thinking. I don't know what I'm doing next week, man. So having 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 them plan that far ahead is just crazy to me. Well, you're already into 2019 with Dream Spinner. I mean, yes, I have three books next year, and you've got a self pub coming as well. Yes, in October 26th. Thank you for reminding me. Yes, please, everybody, buy my self pub book because it's the first time I'm self publishing, and I don't want to be like, oh, this was a bad idea. So you don't want me to feel bad, right? So please buy the book. It's called The Bone with My Skin, and it comes out on October 26th. You want to give us a little tease on what that one's about? That book is about, I wanted to write a book that was a Steven Spielberg from the 80s, kind of like Goonies kind of vibe, and then that didn't work out at all. So, So I got really interested in the 90s how weird the 90s were i I mean 
the nineties were just a weird time for everybody uh, talking about like leading up to like Y2K and, and going back further when you have like, uh, uh, David Koresh, when you have, uh, Waco and all that happened. And the reason I bring that up is because the bones beneath my skin is sort of my take on part of it is sort of my take on the heaven's gate cult where they thought aliens were coming in a comet and the hail comet. They thought that there was going to be a spaceship and they were going to, they, they ended up committing suicide and killing themselves. And I thought, what if there was aliens? <laughs> so that's kind of where the book came from. And it is a queer romance and, uh, it is basically me writing an action movie with feelings and shit blows up and there's gay sex. So not really like action that you see normally. Well, the blowing up stuff is the, the gay sex, not so much. Yeah. But think about how much better like a Michael Bay movie would be if like all of a sudden he was like, you know what? It's gay sex break time. And then they're just like, and then stuff went back to blowing up after that. I would be able to sit through a Michael Bay movie if that happened. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, actually. I would too, actually. Yeah. Just put that I would just fast forward to that part. Yep. That's excellent. Anything else you want to throw in there that's coming up? No, man, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired thinking about my future. I'm tired about thinking what I have to work on next week. So I think I'm okay for right now. All right. <laughs> Good deal. <laughs> so what's the best way to keep up with you guys online I mean, we'll start with kurt how do we how do we find what's going on with you as you get the new studio up and running yeah um you can find me online at kurtreads.com i'm on facebook at kurt graves twitter kurt graves kurt is k-i-r-t for those who haven't seen it in writing before um and then instagram is kurt reads fantastic and tj what what's all your addresses tjclunebooks.com is my website tjclunebooks instagram tjclune facebook twitter all that kind of stuff oh and if you're on facebook you can be in the clunatics facebook group where they typically get to see stuff before i actually tell everybody else so if you want to join that group click to join and one of the admins will approve you yeah. we got a really community there it's really awesome i can't i can't recommend that group highly enough because i yeah. like getting those little extra like oh way to go tj moments yeah <laughs> yeah stuff we can't talk about yet that's <laughs> right real, i know All big right, big well, stuffing tj kurt thank you so much for joining us talking about this uh raven song that comes out uh on july 31st and uh, everything else that's coming up as well very much appreciate it thank you for having us thanks for having us Thanks again to TJ and Kurt. We're so glad they could join us. Yeah, I always love talking to to audiobook narrators. So Kurt, I'm so glad that we finally got him on the show. And it's always a treat to talk to TJ. I just absolutely, he's a big inspiration to me as an author. And I'm a big fan too. So I, I loved it to pieces. Cool. I think that'll do it for this week's episode. Coming up in episode 148, Carrie Pack joins us to talk about her latest book, Past Imperfect. Yes. She will also tell us about a brand new podcast that she's got going on, too. Ooh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. Okay, guys. Remember, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. So, until next time, everyone, please keep turning those pages and keep reading. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. 
Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.